Welcome to the IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast for couples who struggle with infertility and want to fulfill their dreams of becoming parents. To access previous episodes packed with ideas, solutions, and tips that actually work, head over to Dr. Chapman's IVF podcast on iTunes. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1-800-111-483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. Hi, this is Professor Chapman. Recently we've been doing some Facebook Live sessions where I've been answering questions from the listeners and participants. What you're about to hear now is some audio of those segments and I hope they'll be useful for you. Obviously there are a few topical things around at the moment. COVID is one of them. COVID and fertility, COVID in pregnancy. I start by the bottom line. Uh, If you're worried, get vaccinated. If you haven't been vaccinated, it is uh, putting your pregnancy when you get pregnant and your baby at risk. International data is absolutely clear. If you catch COVID while you're pregnant, you're more likely to end up in hospital, more likely to end up in intensive care, and more likely, saddest of all, to have a stillbirth. But if you're vaccinated, it doesn't stop it happening fully, but it certainly hugely reduces it. If you look at the statistics in Australia even, if you look at the people in intensive care, the vast majority of them are unvaccinated people. It's an obvious issue to be not vaccinated and to catch COVID. And that goes whether you're trying to get pregnant or whether you are actually already pregnant. What I say to my patients, or one of my first questions when I um, come to sit down in front of you at a consultation is to seek your vaccination status. And if you haven't been vaccinated, we will explore why not. Now, there's a lot of, I would call it garbage out there on the net about what it can and can't do to you having a vaccination. But the evidence is absolute. Millions of women around the world in pregnancy have had vaccinations and there is no evidence of any damage to mother or baby. But more importantly, it protects you from the bad side effects that COVID can give pregnant women. So whether you're going through an IVF cycle now or you're planning one next month or you are pregnant now, get that vaccination in uh, as soon as possible. It's going to be good for you and good for your baby. I've had COVID. Uh, I had a very, very, very lonely Christmas, but all I got was a runny nose. Why? Because I'd had both uh, the initial um, vaccinations and I'd had a booster about a month beforehand. And I'm sure that's why my case was mild, even though obviously I'm an older, perhaps more susceptible person. Other uh, issues that people have raised recently uh, because of COVID is what's happening in Victoria and it's a very sad situation there in terms of women, couples trying to uh, have a baby and through IVF. The government in some sort of blanket rule based upon the concept that staff shortages because of COVID um, are universal um, across all hospitals and therefore all hospitals have to cut back what is not absolute emergencies. And and the Victorian government or their health department has uh, the belief that going through an IVF cycle is not urgent or important. You know if you're going through the process, you want a baby as soon as possible and delays can impact 
on your chances of getting pregnant in the future. So they've got a three-month hold on treatment, even though treatments are being done in day, can be done in day surgical units where the staffing levels are absolutely fine. It only involves a small handful of people who aren't skilled to, to run an intensive care ward, like a theatre staff, perhaps in a big general hospital. That's what they've done. In New South Wales, um, at the moment, the the view is that IVF is a Category 1 or an urgent Category 2 and therefore um, is continuing. In the public sector, where there are uh, clinics, some clinics based in New South Wales, they have, they have had to cease because obviously their staff in the theatres are available to help out with COVID uh, ward duties or COVID intensive care duties. But IVF Australia has its own day surgery areas. We have fully complied with all the COVID rules and regulations, um, and they are. And the government is letting us continue uh, unabated in terms of IVF treatments. Uh, we are fortunate in New South Wales that we have a, a Department of Health that is not uh, irrational. But you know that's not totally unusual for Victoria. For nearly fifteen years, they had a rule that you had to get a police check before you could do an IVF cycle in case you're a sex offender or a child molester. Absolutely crazy. They were the only people in the world where you had to get to be able to have a baby, you needed to be checked to see whether you were a criminal. Fortunately, with, uh, when I was president of the Fertility Society, um, we made overtures to the government and they've stepped back from that. That's gone. But it just shows Victoria has a tendency to be, to be extreme and that, that IVF is, is not necessarily one of their favourite uh, areas. But anybody in Victoria wants to have an IVF cycle next week, I'm more than happy to arrange for you to travel up because at least we can travel between states these days. Someone asked uh, whether during an IVF cycle you uh, continue with the same doctor uh, throughout the cycle. And obviously in the premium units, we call ourselves premium units, the, the um, IVF Australia's, the, Mon the Monash's, the or perhaps uh, um, Janaya in Sydney, uh, when, once you've got your doctor, that doctor will be the person that will take you through the cycle, do the procedural work, transfer the embryos, will look after you. They'll be the, they'll be the person that, that your blood tests and ultrasounds on a daily basis will be reported to and they will be the person that will make decisions um, on that basis. One of the ways in which IVF clinics uh, can cut corners is to have the doctor of the day. In the budget services, um, you may have a different, or most likely will have a different doctor uh, each day looking at your results, looking at, at and undertaking your procedures. Um, so that's sort of what you pay for by being going to a premium unit is, is, is that individualised care by an individual doctor. For many patients, that's actually very important. It gives you a sense of security uh, a trust in this, in what what's going on. The other area that have, we've had uh, questions coming up recently is around sperm donation. Sperm donation uh, has become increasingly popular um, as women uh, decide that they are keen to have a baby uh, when they don't have a partner. Um, that would uh, predominantly the one the ladies I see are women who've just reached an age thirty eight plus. Um, who realise that without a, a man around, um, they're still happy to have a baby, but they can afford to have a baby. 
and but there's no man. So they're, they're approaching us to have donor sperm. Obviously, the other group are the lesbian women without a male partner uh, need to have a sperm donor. Sperm donation is best done through an accredited IVF unit. There are sites on the internet where you can access donor sperm without them going through an uh, through a donor through a proper accredited clinic but there are risks in that but more importantly these donors check for all potential infections um, that may be transmitted in a donor sample and beyond that the good clinics are doing a wide scale genetic testing to look for mutations to avoid you uh, ending up with a baby with a genetic problem. And that should any of these detailed tests turn up a positive, um, the, the, the genetic team becomes involved and they would advise you on your risks um, if you were going through with that particular donor. These genetic mutations that we are looking for are, are actually very rare. Like we're talking one in a 1,000 to one in 10,000. And therefore the odds of you having a mutation similar to that that would produce an infected child is actually very low, but it's there. And what we can do by doing these tests is, is prevent the birth of a child with these problems. What a IVF clinic, accredited IVF clinic would do is, is that counselling that I talked about, that detailed investigation, and obviously assessment of the sperm to make sure that it's suitable. Um, for you to receive the sperm to give you a good chance of a pregnancy. Sperm donation is is not a totally straightforward proposition. Um, it requires time, and in most clinics in Australia, there is a uh, a lack of sperm donors, and therefore waiting times can be long. In IVF Australia at the moment, um, we do have quite a few donors, and what uh, at the moment our waiting list. If you were a, a single woman uh, or even a lesbian couple, we're probably talking about a, a 12-week wait between coming to see me, having all that explained, going through the counselling process and then being, getting to the top of the donor list. Once you get to the top of the donor list, um, you'd be coming back to me to talk about how we're going to treat you. To maximise, the, in a sense, the bang for the buck, most cases we generally suggest doing IVF, that uh, donor insemination will produce a, a success rate similar to, to your, your normal rate for age, which in, say, a 38-year-old woman has, has around a 10 or 12% chance of a pregnancy per insemination. Uh, with IVF, uh, that will move up to something in the order of 30 to 40% in one month. So you can see the difference uh, that's happening. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr. Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr. Chapman's rooms on 1800 111 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au. 